Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. This is a show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. You might be asking yourself, what is a mystical business owner? Well, if you work as a tarot card reader like I do, or an astrologer, a Reiki healer, an intuitive counselor, oracle medium, or you know any kind of spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we're talking about you. And my name is Teresa Reed. I'm known as the Tarot Lady. And my co-host... And hi, Bree. Brianna Saucy. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And, you know, we know what goes into running a successful business. Teresa, how long have you been in business? How many years? I've been in business now 25 years, and I've been, I was reading tarot for uh, 10 years before then. So I've been, I've been at this a long time. What about you? I started my business officially in 2008 in San Francisco, right as the markets were totally tanking. I have really awesome timing that way. (laughs) (laughs) It continues and it grows every year. So it's a huge blessing. So we know what goes into running a successful business, and we know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along. And we also want to let people know, for those who are listening, that Bree and I have been doing this show now for a couple of years, and we do it once a month because, you know, our well, we really love sharing the information, the business strategies that we've learned over the years. And also our big thing is we want to see our fellow mystics thrive and succeed. That's why we have this free podcast. And in each episode of Talking Shop, we're tackling different topics and we always bring on amazing guests. It's true, and today it's especially true. So our topic today is your mind on your money. Yes, we are talking about a sticky subject that many of us hate talking about. This is such a big one for our community. And our guest today is financial therapist and author of the upcoming book, The Art of Money. We have Barry Tesler with us. Welcome, Barry. Thank Thank you for being here. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm so excited. I've been very excited. (laughs) We are so excited and honored. We know that you are in the middle of a very getting ready for your book launch. And when is that coming out, Barry? So officially it's June 14th is when it hits the shelves and it's in pre-order now when I'm planning the entire book tour right now. Yeah. So you've got a lot going on, but I'm just we're we're just really glad that you're able to be here with us and our audience tonight because like Bree said, this is a very hard subject for our audience and I got to tell you guys a little a little story real quick. Uh, tonight, I quickly was serving some dinner before here, before I got down here, and uh, we have a girl, I call her my adopted daughter, and she works in a hospital. And she was talking to one of her coworkers who goes and sees a tarot reader. And she was telling Jessica, that's her, I like to call her adopted daughter, they, she was telling Jessica, I don't pay this woman anything because she has a gift. Sometimes I toss her a 20. So this is what we're talking about. That's the client's attitude, but this is the thing we are addressing. And so what I'd love to begin talking about are some of these big money fears and attitudes that a lot of mystical entrepreneurs struggle with. You know, and some of these are like money is the root of all evil or like I just demonstrated here, I can't charge for my gifts or this one. 
if I raise my rates, my clients are going to leave and I won't have any business. Yeah. Or the one that I used to believe in, that I have to take this client who treats me like garbage because if I don't, I might not get another client. Hmm. And then there's one that my husband had, which is taxes are scary. So these are a lot of the themes that we hear again and again in our audience. So what we'd like to ask you is, what do you have to say about any or all of these fears? Wow. I mean, it's a, loaded I, I first, question. It's a huge question. I mean, for me, I, I first I need to say that I get it and I understand. You know, I came from a somatic therapy background, so a creative person who was surrounded by people on a spiritual path, and we weren't we were taught to not talk about money in graduate school, to not want to strive to make a nice livelihood, and and on and on. And I thought, well, how am I supposed to work with my couples, and how am I supposed to work with my women? Like, the, if we're not supposed to want money or strive for money, or you know, understand what our value is and be able to charge for it. And for me, the, the biggest impetus was I couldn't buy loads of chocolate. I couldn't buy organic chocolate to bring to potlucks. And mm-hmm. so that was what led me to do all this work, that I, I thought I'd be doing sexuality work or body work. And and this is my topic. It's money because it was my biggest missing piece. So I just I wanted to start there. I get it. I've been there. I've had to step by step work through all of this and many of those beliefs and ideas around money, money's evil, money's not spiritual, money's all about power, money's yucky, we're not supposed to even want it or talk about it and on and on, right? So, I mean, that's that's what I work that's what I had to work with myself and that's what I work with day in and day out, right? Mm-hmm. So, should I talk about how to work with it? Should I talk about should we go there? Well, before we start talking about the working on it, I, I want to, you know, just, Bri, how where do you want to go with this? Where should we start going? Well, I think that one place where <clears throat> you really help people, like, immediately vary um, is talking about money mindsets. So could we start with how a money mindset can sabotage a business, right? This is so tragic. Okay. So this is one of the things I say. Like, if you want to deal with your own money stuff, I mean, start a business. Like, start your own practice, start your own start your own business. Like, all your money crap is going to, like, come up and ask to be seen. Or And if you don't look at it, it's just going to bite you in the ass, you know? Yeah. So I don't use the word money mindset. What I talk about is money stories. Okay. And so there's three phases in my in my work and my methodology. And the first one is understanding what your money story is. And because I think and I've found that it's really helpful to know what your beliefs are, what your patterns are, what your strengths are, what your challenges are around money. We all have them. And some of us just focus on the bad sometimes or some of us are stuck in money shame, meaning you know, everyone else around me knows how to do this. Or if they came from a wealthy family, will they know how to do this? Or if they, you know, just everyone's situation is is better than mine. Mine's far more yucky, ugly, messy than anyone else's. So first stop is understanding what a money story is. And a money story for me is is just how you think about money, how you feel about money, what your patterns are around money, and the good and bad. You know, all of it, because we really all have everything. So it's really understanding just how you, you know, just how you spend money, how you earn money, how you give money, what family of origin you came from and what you learned from them positively and negatively, 
Um, because a lot of us take on what our parents did and it doesn't serve us because we're different than them or it doesn't serve us because they didn't do money well or that most most of us came from families where it was never, ever talked about. It was still mm-hmm. such a shadow, taboo, you know, let's, we're going to throw it in the closet. And that went on for generations and it's really changing, you know, especially in the last five to ten years. Suddenly we're all ready or more willing to look at money. And my folks are 20 to 70 years old. But it's looking at what did we learn from our family and what were the conscious things we learned and unconscious things and what were the patterns that were passed out. I mean, this is all the work you do, Brie. You know, it's looking at family but also looking at ancestry. And it's really trying to understand, like, where did we rebel against our family? Where did we react? What beliefs? Um, what patterns were created at age 5, at age 10, at age 15, at age 25, right? And for me, I just want to help people bring as much awareness to them as possible so that they don't start playing out in our business, meaning mm-hmm. a lot of us as who own, have a practice or, you know, are entrepreneurs, we are afraid to charge. We don't know what to charge. We're afraid to say it. We're afraid to ask I mean, just that in itself is such a huge thing that I work with day in and day out, you know, is Mm -hmm. really helping the person understand what their value is and that you've probably talked about this on your show, the whole concept of, like, charge what you're worth Mm -hmm. is is bullshit to me. Like, that's not because we're, we're worthy, just born, a unique person with our unique gifts and values. So for me, it's really understanding what our value is. But I I have like a whole series of exercises that I have people go through to determine that. Um, I can go, I can say so much about this piece because it's it's so important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. The value piece, the internal work, I'm and and the external work. I know I'm being a little theoretical. I'm not theoretical, but I'm talking around it instead of like actually talking about what comes up when we start Mm -hmm. a business and what happens. Like it takes two to four to five years to actually reach a sustainable cash flow. And meanwhile, we're like freaking out at different points along the way and all our issues around um, trust and safety Mm -hmm. and scarcity or power come up. So jump in because I can go on and on about... Here's here's the thing I'd like all of us to share. So you brought up a really important thing about how if you want to bring up your money issues, you start a business. Yeah. So I'd like you, Bree, and Barry, and we'll all take a moment to share, what was one of the biggest money stories that came up for you when you guys started your business? Mm, That is such a good question. I think a really really big one for me was that – I could I could I could go into a quote unquote, you know, fringy, more like heart centered feeling field and and still have professional expectations, including professional expectations around what I was paid for my services. Mm-hmm. So I came from, like, a really rigorous academic background, and then my family is full of business people. Mm-hmm. And so when I said, I'm going to start a business, but this is what my business is going to look like, like all of my business people, family members, and even ancestors, like, I could feel them rolling their eyes, and they're just like, she's such a flake. 
and and so wanting to bring like a level of professionalism to what I do, how I do it, and how I charge for it was really important from day one, but also a real struggle for me. What about you guys? Uh, well, first I want to just relate to what you said, because, Brie, you and I have talked about power and money and our fathers yes. in the past. Yes. And so for me, I also I came from entrepreneurs, and but the way that I saw them doing business was more aggressive, yes. um, more intense, more pushing the river, um, more masculine, um, and all of that. And for what I knew, it wasn't about being professional, but I just knew I could never do business or never do my life in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find, I just, I knew I had to create something completely different that felt more health centered, that was a slower pace, but felt good. And for me, it just felt like I want, I don't know what my, I, it's hard for me to say one of my biggest ones. For me, I feel like, the theme of value was a thread that I was working with from day one that my students were working with, and it was everything from, um, yeah, how do I charge? Because I was looking around and seeing people who had more experience or less experience, and I was going that way. Then I was doing body check-ins to see what my fee should be. I just was trying to come up with all these different ways of how to charge, and it took me years to finally realize that, what I was looking for was a more sustainable business model mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. I could not just make money for the month um, or make money every three months when I would open up a new group, um, but I wanted it, I needed it to be more sustainable because I wanted to be able to hike during the day. Um, you know, eight years ago, then I had a child or, you know, I always was sensitive to energy. And mm-hmm. so I, I needed to just make sure I wasn't wor- working too much. or And I loved, I've always loved my work. And so there was something about how do I create a sustainable business model where I can bring in money, where I'm not having to get new clients every month. That was me. Or every few months for a new group, I wanted to see if I could make money up to six months at a time, but there were also increments along the way. I wanted to see if I can break through money ceilings because as a therapist working with the masters in the mental health field in hospice, I was making $11 an hour. Mm. And so I was not only, my first thing was how do I just break through $11 an hour? That was that was my first money ceiling. Then it was how can I break through 15 an hour? And then how can I break through 20? And it was an hourly fee that I was trying to break through and then it became a certain amount each year that I wanted to break through, and then it was, I, I want, I want to be able to see if I can come up with a business model that has me giving as much as I can to my students, but still taking care of myself, and then taking care of my family, and on and on, which, which is what eventually led to teaching a year-long program. So I feel like there's not one, but there's been, been this theme of what is my value, and you can't really put a number on that. But how do I create a business model to really honor my full time and energy and gifts and what I'm giving and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Big, big, big stories. You know, for me, uh, when I started my business, I had no business skills to speak of. And I come from a very poor background. We did not have a lot of money. My mother was very sick. They had too many kids. And we were in a rural area. So starting a business was unthinkable. And when I started the business, it really happened kind of by accident. I had people pushing me to do it. And I had 
all kinds of loaded things coming into this. Um, you know, our family history wasn't just that they struggled financially, but also my parents were financially irresponsible. And so there was a lot of paranoia. And I just remember having all this fear, the fear of managing the money, the fear of, you know, what if I don't make enough? Because they were always running short, always running short. And so to do an entrepreneurial endeavor where you're not going to have a steady paycheck um, and coming from that kind of a background, that was the hardest thing in the beginning. I got used to it pretty quickly, and I got good with it, and I really learned a lot about money management, but it was scary in the beginning. Just what if I biff this? What if, what if I'm living like they did? And as they got older, they also never saved for the future. So there was anxiety about that. You know, thankfully, I've learned a lot about being the opposite of that. And uh, my, my life's completely different than my parents, but that fear and that anxiety, that was a horrible thing to be in business by the skin of your teeth is what I felt like. So I don't know if you guys felt that. And I started my business with no money. There was, like, yeah. nothing to start it either. Yeah, me too. So, I didn't even know that me too. capital was, like, a me thing. Too. I, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. And me too. I mean, so this is the thing. I had no business skills as well, similar yeah. to you. I did come from a different background. I came from a middle-class background. But by the time I was in graduate school um, and had school loans, because I, mm-hmm. I had to pay for – I had to take out loans for that – I was back to $11 an hour, so that's not middle class, right? Or it wasn't in Boulder, Colorado. Um, And there was a lot of intensity and anxiety, even though it was middle class. They owned bars. They owned real estate. um, And it was just always, like, it was just intense. And so that that was what also led me to saying, like, I need more sustainability. I need more calm here. And then I also started with nothing and bootstrapped it. Sounds like you did, too. And I Mm -hmm. bootstrapped and then did a lot of trade at the beginning as Mm. well to help grow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I did a lot of bootstrapping. And, and, you know, I, I, I will tell you guys, I am a very frugal woman. I am all about saving money. So I still, to this day, do most of my stuff myself. I don't have a team because I'd rather take that money and pay down my house. I've got my priorities are are very much about that. So it's it's again very interesting because that's still tied into money stories that I'm working on, and it's I just find it just fascinating how these money stories show up in our business, our world, our mindset. You know, here's a mindset too. And, Bree, I know you and I hear this once in a while from clients or even from our peers, this statement, I can't afford it. Yeah. Now, this is a loaded gun because sometimes, you know, you really can't. I mean, there's things like sometimes I'll look at it and say, this isn't in my budget. You know, so sometimes it's a reality thing. But other times I think we tell ourselves that because we're afraid to invest in our businesses. So I'd like you to talk about that. What are your thoughts about when we really can't afford it? Uh, or maybe what might you say to a client who balks at our prices? Let's talk about that statement for a moment. Okay. Wow, there's so many threads here. So I can't afford it. So um, you're right. I mean, sometimes it's literally true. But see, here's the thing that I've seen. It's so relative. So, I mean, what that means to each of us. Mm-hmm. I've seen people ask for a scholarship when they had a lot of savings, but they weren't bringing in income, so they felt like they didn't. They were they were just scared, you know. Mm-hmm. They were scared. Mm-hmm. Or I've heard people ask for scholarships when they had a trust fund, 
and but they weren't bringing an income, right? So in our community, it's a third, a third, a third people who say they're living at basic needs, a third are living at comfortable, and a third living at ultimate. When I actually see those numbers, they're so vastly different. They're so vastly different, right? So on some level, like this, this can be – when you're starting your own business, you – and if you are bootstrapping it and you don't have savings or you don't have family money or you don't have a credit line or you're not going to a 0% credit line, then literally you can't afford it. But I don't normally like that wording, right? I like to right. say I'm putting <laughs> – I'm choosing to spend my money in other ways. That's what so I my, say too. <laughs> yeah, I'm choosing to spend my money in different ways because I'm over here maybe buying chocolate or, you know, so I'm choosing to spend my money in different ways. Um, I want to be really intentional about that because then we go into lack and scarcity and not enoughness, right? So Mm -hmm. it's so helpful for us to understand where we're at, where we want to go, but find peace and where we're at and still strive. You know, I'm always looking for that. So investing in a business, everyone does it differently. Um, For all three of us, we were bootstrapping, you know, so... I I chose a little stepping stone in the first two years. I did bookkeeping. I went from being a therapist and hospice, and then I did bookkeeping two years, but that paid for the bread and butter. It paid, and it, it, it took that anxiety off, you know, mm-hmm. off the table. So I had my basic needs and the foundation covered. Um, now, to grow, um, at the beginning, I was just able to, okay, I made my money with bookkeeping, and then that would go to paying for little next steps. You know, and they weren't big, big leaps, but they were little next steps. And then I realized in the community I lived in, we could trade. We could trade for a lot of things. I traded for um, some design, for we did flyers back in the day, or for you know websites. My flyers really worked. You know, they really worked about 15 years ago. Um, so I was really strategic. I would just sit down and. It was hard because I would watch other people growing faster or take out a bank loan at the beginning or have savings or and on and on. And they have the, you know, we all have our set of blessings and challenges, no matter if we have a chunk of money to begin with or savings or we do it more the bootstrapping. Um, so I did trade. But then there was a point about three years in where I said, I actually really want to grow. I'm ready to grow. And so I chose to use a 0% credit card for training and did it very intentionally and said I'm going to pay this off within a year or two years and I did Um, and you know have just taken steps from there and so it went from bootstrapping to a zero percent credit card paying it off and Mm -hmm. then and then choosing I'm only going to grow at the pace of the income that's coming in did that for a while and then wanted to grow again and then seven years into the business did get a credit line Um, and started adding a few people to the team. And so that was really crucial for me is to and then and and to say like I want the I got a copywriter that was amazing, but it was always very careful and cautious and in, intentional as much as I could at each step along the way and we're at the beginning I put it on a 0% credit card it took me a year or two to pay off. By the time I got to signing up for B school and year eight or nine of my business, I made sure that I got a return on that investment immediately, mm-hmm. uh, you know, immediately. So that was the progression of how I did it. And then there were times where I've had a team. And then there were times where when my son came, after having a business partner and a whole team, I went back to a woman show, a one-woman show, and got rid of the whole team because I wanted to be really simple again. And I didn't have extra cash, and I wanted to be really um 
mindful in that way during the first few years and got really simple and then grew slowly again and didn't add another teammate and didn't choose to invest in growth for another few years. Mm-hmm. So it's investing in what's the entity of the business because a lot of us can work on our own and do all of it and be really – it's a lot of work, but we're happy that way, right? And then at some point we can feel the entity is starting to grow, the mm-hmm. energy of it wants to grow, you know. And I've had a few different points along the way where I've said, oh, I can feel it. So at year three and a half, people start coming to me and saying, I want to be on your team. I'm a bookkeeping trainer and financial coach. And I thought, oh, I didn't even know I had a team. And then we put together a team. And so there's just been different points along the way where it's felt right to invest in growth and other phases where it felt right to rein in, you know, or pay down that debt or save more. And so I've just tried to be intentional at all these different moments along the way. Some of us, you know, do credit too soon, too fast, and get in trouble. Mm-hmm. No, um, I think debt can be used very intentionally, but we all have different beliefs around that. So, Oh, definitely. Bree, what is yeah. your beliefs about debt? Oh, I, you know, I really don't like debt, and I'm, I'm zero debt as much as possible. And, you know, when I started this business, I was working, the first year that I did this business, I was also working at another business that I owned that was in San Francisco that I co-owned with my best girlfriend, who was, in her past life, a Wall Street hedge fund banker so so i i got like a very interesting wall street training in san francisco and then when i when i started milagro roots we moved shortly thereafter and i had to use a credit card for you know basic business stuff just to get things up and running and i was a one-woman show for a really long time i really only developed a team in the last like two years and uh, you know having that debt on that credit card really really stressed me out and then my son came that debt was paid off and then we bought a house and you know that was that was another like okay and so i i feel like i dance with it um i'm like i don't i try to not use credit cards and and i don't have any credit card debt because I'm super, you know, I'm pretty hardcore about that. But I also think, I think that there's a place for it, and I really like what Barry said about, you know, you have to pay attention to your business. Like, I know, I know that we've all had this experience where there's years where it's like, I just want to I just want to go with the flow, yeah. and I, I just want it to be stable, and I want it to be pretty peaceful this year. And then there are other years where you feel really energized, and you're like, you know, it wants to get bigger, and I need, I need to have this piece of equipment, or I need to have this training, or I need to have this extra set of hands. And so I think that you just have to be really conscientious about it. What about you, Teresa? What's your debt story? Oh, I... I'm one of those people I and again this this is my money story thing too. I am a person who doesn't like that. I have no credit card debt. You know, my husband's got a little bit on his credit card, but not me. Mine are empty. And my goal of course is to get this house paid off. I'm gonna have my house paid off fifteen years early. Because that is how much I really focus on paying down debts. I just don't like it. And I have used my credit card also very very intentionally 
during different times of my business when I wanted to build in certain things. So I've also done that, and I've worked really hard to pay it off as quickly as possible. And, you know, one of the things I really think I have going on here is this need to be in control. And, again, it just comes from growing up in that background where there wasn't a lot of money control. So, you know, you guys would really laugh at some of my stuff here. My my checkbook is color-coded. <laughs> Yeah, it's balanced down (laughs) to the penny. So I am religious about my bookkeeping. I am big on paying down those debts, all of that stuff. But it's because, again, that need to feel, I need to feel safe and secure. And that's how I feel safe and secure is by really keeping on top of this stuff. And especially on top of debt, I just am, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. I always tell my husband, the less debt we have, the more we have for things we want to do. Yeah, so I'm a different voice. I mean, I've already said it, but I don't like personal debt and personal, even though we have our first mortgage as of last year. But mm-hmm. business feels a, a little different. I, I I needed to be very mindful. My husband would, um, he would get a bigger credit line, and I won't, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of differ on that, and we have that that fight, that discussion over and over and over, you know, around uh-huh. our differences <laughs> of how we feel about that and. You know, for me, it has to be 0% or less than 3% if yep. I'm ever going to use it. So that's where I'm strong. Bookkeeping, I've I've been religious about that from day one. And, you know, as far as the money belief, I mean, I thought I was not smart in certain ways, and, and I wasn't good at math growing up. So a lot of creative people have this, or I did, that there's mm-hmm. no way I could do money or there's no way I could do bookkeeping since I'm not smart in this way and not good at math and thank God, so grateful that someone from day one, you know, that was my transition, taught me bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. I never imagined I would learn it. And it was a revolution, revelation in my mind. And, you know, so from day one, I ha- that's been the leading way. The bookkeeping was set up day one, and I did it myself for 12 years. And I tracked every few days um, to the penny as well. And learn so much about accounting and business and numbers through that before I handed it over to my amazing bookkeeper. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm with you on the bookkeeping, but, yeah, I mean, the debt thing is interesting. I just think you have to be really, really mindful, really intentional. Um, we used some debt last year because I need a co-writer for my book, and so right. and that was that. And then this year when I wanted to go on the book tour, I said, I'm getting, I'm making cash happen for this. And so I opened yep. up my private slots, filled them in a day, got enough cash flow and more for my book tour. So I feel great about that. Mm. So it's, it is, it is a balance. Yep. I'm absolutely putting money aside too for the, the stuff that I'm going to do later this year too. Yeah. And I like what you said about the bookkeeper, Barry. I have, I think I have the same bookkeeper. I have Jessica. And, uh, and we love you, Jessica. Amazing. She's so amazing. Jessica Reagan-Selzman. Yes, she actually will. We will have her later on this year. Oh, great. Um, but she's, she is. She's so awesome. And, you know, I invested in Jessica last year, and I had had a bookkeeper from day one. But it was like a friend of the family, and so there was no transparency. Like, I did not understand my numbers. I didn't know what was happening or how to read them. And I didn't know all the different financial instruments that were open and available to me. And working with a professional bookkeeper um, is by far one of the best investments that I've made in my business. Like, by far. Yeah, yeah. 
We just need to know what we're willing to do, what we're willing to learn, where we're going to push ourselves, you know. And even what the choices are. I think for a lot of people in our community, it's like, I didn't even know that there is a line of credit, right? Like, I didn't didn't even know that was an option on the table. So that's that's really huge. So I want to talk about something that's tangentially related to all of this, Barry, and I think, like, so at the core of a lot of what you do. Um, which is healing. And and specifically I want to ask, you know, we've been talking about these old negative money stories, and I would like to know, do you have any specific healing practices that that address some of these negative stories that can just start us stop us before we start? Yeah. Um, well, we, we need to bring our awareness to them and just realize, number one, we have money stories, just like we have food and sexuality and intimacy stories and on and on, right? So we also have our money stories. And so some of the first tool that I always use and love is the body check-in. And it's from my somatic psychology background. And it's number one. And I would say, like, the, the, some people leave my year-long program or – and saying everything was great, everything was amazing, Barry, but this is it. This body check-in changed my life. Mm-hmm. And so a body check-in is just stopping and pausing. I imagine a lot of you have your own version of this, and it's checking in with what your breathing is doing and what your breath is doing, how deep, how shallow. It's checking in physically what's going on. It's checking in sensationally, emotions, and feelings. And it's stopping and doing that for 30 seconds. It's doing that for a full minute. And it's inviting all of us to do a body check-in when we're about to have a money conversation. Um, During the money conversation in the heat of the moment, when you're telling a new client what your fees are and you're completely um, starting to shut down or fall asleep or get scared or feel anxiety, um, and after that money conversation with that client or your honey, your spouse, and and debriefing, you know, just what the hell happened? What 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 was the emotions? Like they they all show up: um, anger, being pissed, anxiety, falling asleep, um, um, being having anxiety, having fear. You know, all the way to the other end of feeling hopeful and feeling excited, and and on and on. And so the body check in is something that from day one I started bringing to my money conversations started bringing to when I would sit down and have a money date with myself, which is just simply 15 minutes, 30 minutes to bring your attention to money on a practical level, emotional, psychological, spiritual. It can be I bring a body check in when I'm going to look online and look at my numbers, when I'm going to look at a report. And back in the day, my eyes would just glaze over, and I just could not read them, understand them. I felt like I felt horrible, you know. And so it's just starting to understand what are the emotions? What are the feelings? What is, where does your breath do? Do you start holding your breath? And on and on. It's like gathering data. It's like gathering. So it's not changing anything right away, right? But so it's just bringing our loving, gentle attention to this area of our lives and all these daily money interactions that happen, you know, when we're going to get our, our mail in the mailbox, when we're going to the grocery store, when we're on and on and on, right, when we're paying our bills. And so for me, this is the, the, my favorite tool. It's my favorite, and it's a practice. It's a practice mm-hmm. to bring to all these daily money interactions. And there's the awareness, and there's, for me, awareness leads to understanding, leads to change. So that's, mm-hmm. that's number one. I mean, then I have, you know, then, then it's, it's just looking at, well, what's your current relationship to money and spending and saving and giving 
and what did you learn from your family and then where do you need forgiveness and what's still haunting you from the past or what feels like feels like a mess from the past that you need to clean up or take some action on or do you need to call the IRS? I have people in my community are calling the IRS and filing five years of taxes. They were terrified to just call the IRS and do it, you know, as though the mm-hmm. IRS is this, like, terrible, scary entity. We may not believe in where all of the money is going, true, for me, you know, and I've had mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. with that, but when you actually get on the phone with them, they're, most of them are really nice, and they just they're want super to nice. Out, they're super nice. They just they just want to work out a payment plan with you. They're so happy you're communicating clearly. All they want is clear communication, you know. Or do you need to contact someone that you owe money to, or that someone owes you money to, or do you need to forgive yourself for that contract um, in business or in marriage that you never looked at? And you know it came back to bite you in the butt, or on and on. So for most of us. There's something from the past that's that still feels messy or yucky or incomplete that needs our attention, that needs our love, that needs our forgiveness, and needs potentially some very clear action steps to go make that call or get that financial support person on your team and invest in them to help you, the the accountant, the bookkeeper, the financial planner, you know, to actually help you with some of it. So that's part of the – some of my folks do money healing rituals to really honor who they were and, of course, that's why they were that type of person or that's why they acted out in that way or that's why they didn't or did do this around money because of the family they came from, because of how they reacted to that family, because of the financial education that most of us did not receive from grade school on up. So the money healing terrain includes body check-ins, bringing awareness to more of your money story and patterns daily, um, and doing some completions and forgiveness work and maybe even creating a ritual to wrap it all up. And it doesn't just happen in a few months, you know. It's really a lifelong journey. Um, but if people start bringing their attention to it, six months, a year, significant um, understanding and shifts can really happen here. That's really beautiful. And I love that you mentioned, too, that you know, it's not like an overnight thing. It, it takes time for us to really go through all these healing things to, you know, get this all, I guess, in a better place. But, you know, what about the practical stuff? You know, yeah. we're, we're talking about healing on an emotional level. Right. But, yeah, but what if, here's a good question. What if your business isn't making any money? Like you're busting your butt, you're doing all the marketing, you're following everything you learned on, you know, from all the gurus. And you're still making nothing, and you're working on these these healing these money stories, but the business isn't making money. Yeah. What might yeah. be a wise path to take for something like that? You know, I had this conversation with Forrest, my husband, the other day, because he was like, then you're at the bottom of Maslow hierarchy of needs. You know, you're at the bottom, mm-hmm. wrong, which is it's all about survival at that time. And and it's all about getting your basic needs met, right? If you can't, If your business is not bringing enough money to feed you, and pay for your housing and your basic stuff, right? That's that's in that moment I get really 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 practical. And I just say, you know what? You got to go get a part-time job somewhere. You you got to mm-hmm. you got to get a part-time right. job. That's how practical I get. I mean, and th- and that's my suggestion in that moment. It's because there's not more techniques to learn. There may not be I mean, there's always 
more awareness and understanding, right? But when we're in that place where we're not bringing in money and we have to, then we have to just go get a part-time job, like to take that edge off. I've seen people in that situation, all of a sudden they start getting clients, right? So, I mean, for me, I don't, huh, that hasn't, that didn't happen to me. It was maybe slower or if it's, and again, I'm not a business coach. Like I work from the money perspective. So I'm like, we got to get your basic needs met. You got to go get a job and not a job that you're going to hate or that's going to be soul sucking. And it's probably not going to be a job that's your ideal because your ideal may be this business, right? So right. in the interim, please get, take a stepping stone here job, something that's in the middle, right? That maybe doesn't, you know, take all of your creative energy where there is still some on the side, um, I, you know, I, I, I personally have not been in that position. And when people are, I just say, go get another job. Now, some people in that position have a spouse that is paying for things or they have family money or, I mean, whoo, you know, I would have to see what's going on with this person. I would have to really understand their thinking, their feeling, around something like this but usually i would say go go get a go get a part-time job so how does that sound is that just like yeah how does it no, i moment? agree 100 <laughs> percent. I, I totally agree with that advice yeah, it, yeah it's not it's not about like learning another technique or another program or i mean th- that takes you know baby steps just like the internal work of the money healing all the external steps of 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 you know, clarifying like who you are, what you have to offer, putting it into an offering of single sessions or, you know, concrete, this is a group. And that all just takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time to build. Um, and then building your community and writing your articles and on it, it just simply takes time. So that's why for me, the bookkeeping was like such a saving grace. It brought in cash flow. You know, some people, I don't know, go right to, uh, with you, Teresa, I imagine, like, you just started reading and people started showing up. <laughs> is yep. that true? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so there was what? What is that? Is that um, you're clear, you're totally clear, you're ready, you're you're meeting a need in the marketplace, you're making the connections, you're creating the relationships, and for the person that is not doing that what 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 do you all think is happening or what do you what would you all suggest from a money perspective well i'm really big on i'm i always like to say i'm not above scrubbing a toilet yeah <laughs> that if it ever comes down that my business wasn't thriving then i don't have an issue taking on a bridge job a side job a full-time job but you know i come from the one thing i will say about my family is i have an incredible work ethic my parents did not have a lot of money but my parents worked hard my dad at one time worked three jobs to cover the bills so it's ingrained in me and all my siblings that if there is a crunch we're not afraid to go do whatever we got to do. So I would have no problem taking on another job. I just do it without even thinking. And I think that's a really important thing for people to do rather than go deep in debt or to be sitting around not making money and being anxious, take a job. Go bartend, waitress, get an office job. Do what you got to do because it is, let me tell you this, operating your business in fear mode, not fun. But when you have that that other job to sustain you and to help you 
it's going to take some pressure off. And you know what? You're going to show up for your clients 100% better. And then that is going to lead to more business. I really firmly believe that. What about you, Bree? Oh, I'm totally, I'm the same. You know, David and I work together now. And, and you know, we're both 100% clear that if at any point it started to look like financially it wasn't making sense for our life and for our needs, one of us or both of us would go, both go get a job. And I'm, like, more than willing to do that. And, you know, the way that I – my experience with work, and, like, I've done everything from, like I've, – I've literally, like, I've read Tarot on the street. I've worked in crystal shops. I've worked at, like, high-end jewelry stores. I, I have just – I've worked at, like, very, very high-end, like, book discussion centers. So I've done so many different jobs. And, you know, I've always learned something in every single one of them. I have learned skills that I apply to what I do every day. So I, I feel like bridge jobs can be, like, huge blessings in and of themselves. And I think that if you go in with curiosity and with an inquisitive mind, you learn things. And I love, like, some of my favorite jobs were really crappy retail jobs where I made minimum wage, but I loved the people that I worked with, and they had such interesting stories. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I feel like I've learned from every single work experience I've had, I feel like I've I've had value that I've brought into what I do today. So I'm, I'm totally on the same page about that. I just think it's such a smart idea. And, you know, the one thing, I don't know if you guys come across this, but I find people in our industry sometimes look at that as a failure if they have to, and they even yeah. use the word, I have to get another job. And it's not a failure. It's I don't see it like that at all. I see it being practical and doing what you can so that your business and your family can thrive. And yeah. sometimes that means we've got to dig in and we've got to just get super, super practical. Yeah, I you know, it comes up in my community a lot when someone goes to have a job and then the whole coaching world is saying, like, that's a terrible failure. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, not at all. Like, it's all about life phase. It's all about timing. It's, you know, I, I mean, I did so many bridge jobs earlier. I bartended, retail too. But also when I started everything, I had no child. And I was young in my 30s. And so mm-hmm. I lived so simply. You know, we mm-hmm. lived in like... Yes a 400-square-foot cabin in the Redwoods in California at the beginning, and that's how we did it, you know. So I must say in the last 15 years since I started working myself, I, 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 I'm going to say I won't take a job. I'm so determined. Like I can't, I can't imagine doing anything but my work and business right now. But, but my husband goes in and out of working for himself, taking jobs, and I'm just like, I am – I need to be the boss. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am I am never going to work for someone ever again because <laughs> I'm too bossy at this point. So that's the reality on that. Yeah, I like it. So, you know, what do the kind of the flip side of this is what do you do when a client comes to you and says that they can't afford, you know, they really want what what you offer, but they can't afford your services, or they try to negotiate a discount or, you know, a, okay. a freebie that you're not willing to give? Okay. So I don't have that anymore because I have a year-long program, and people say either it's really inexpensive or it's too much for them. Like there's always going to be whatever price it is, it's going to be perfect for some people and feel like this is so reasonable. 
And for others, it's going to, you know, there's going to be a group that says this is too pricey. So just know that. There's always that, right? It's really relative. Um, and, again, the way people perceive your your services or value um, they may, yeah, I mean, to, to to them, it may feel like they can't afford it, and they may have a pile of savings sitting there, as I was saying earlier, right? So there's that. So I don't bother myself with that at this point and haven't for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to me to have services and offerings at a few different price points. Because I do care and I do want to serve as many people as possible. And so I have the free and then we'll have the book and then I have so much free content on my site and then I have the $80, $88 month program and then my private work is my priciest thing that I know is more exclusive and that a lot of people can't do. It's 3000 for six months or 250 for a session. So people don't come to me to try to negotiate that. Back in the day when... When I had to say what my fees were and people asked if I had a sliding scale or I offered scholarship, and I kind of tried to work that out for years, Um, and then at some point I just realized I need healthy boundaries here. This is not working for me. I need to determine what my right fees feel like for my private sessions, for my group program, on and on, and then I need to offer many different price points. So that's how I do it. When I'm working with someone and someone's hemming or hawing over their fees, it's like, you know, I've just seen too many times they take on a client that asks for a discount or asks for a scholarship or wants a lower fee, and they're really high maintenance. And Mm -hmm. they break every sort of boundary imaginable. So it was part of my own value work. The inner work was healthy boundaries and learning how to say elegant no's. So it's about saying no to that and either sending them off to a lower price thing than you have, a group program, or sending them off to someone else and having a referral list. And I, so that's where I'm at with that. We really need to be clear on what our fees are based on, I mean, one of my favorite articles are eight questions to ask yourself, eight exercises to take yourself through, do the body check-in, See who you want to serve. Do you want to serve lower income, middle income, wealthier folks? Um, where are you in the marketplace? Like, just looking at. There's always again going to be um, other people ser- charging more or less. And then for me, the money map work, which is what do you? What is your lifestyle? And are you going for basic needs right now? Are you going for comfortable? Are you going for ultimate lifestyle? And what are the actual numbers with that? I don't answer what I charge based on a body check and a loan based on where I want to be in the marketplace. I ask myself these eight questions and go through these eight exercises over and over and over, and I feel good about my fees, and I put them out in the world, and I know it's going to work for some and not for others, but I have many different options for everyone. That's how I do it. That's pretty much what I do, too. I have a lot of different options for people, and um, I think, Bree, you also pretty much do the same thing, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't don't do the conversation of, I can't afford this or, or this yep. isn't right for me. Like, it, it's, that's totally fine. And, and if that's how they feel, it doesn't really matter if they've got a huge trust fund, you know, right. sitting behind them. It's that that's where they're at. Yep. And I don't I don't like to force any kind of interaction, especially a financial one. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm well. I can't. I'm doing money work. Like I, right. <laughs> I, I, 
that's that's a catch twenty two is that I'm a financial therapist and this is my livelihood and this is my work and you know um and on and on, but I could never force that either but it's I think a lot of beginning people starting a practice do have those conversations because we as you were saying earlier, we feel like we're not going to get another client or we just need to take this person or maybe we'll work out or I really need the cash flow. You know, certainly that's all part of the first few years and maybe at different phases along the way. And it just bites you in the butt every time you engage in that or take that person on or you just you, we just need to be really, really clear, you know, yep. what our fees are and it's going to work or not. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of our time. Speaking of boundaries here, we want to make sure we're honoring your time and the time of our listeners. So I want to get in one other quick question since we're talking about client fees and stuff. You know, what is the best way to raise your rates, and how often do you think we should do that? Mm. Well, you you guys are asking great questions, and these are a lot of questions that, you know, I don't do business coaching in this way, but this is this is how I've done it, and then when I work with people privately. Um, let's see. So, again, going back to this list of, like, these eight exercises, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's looking at, for me, doing a money map every year or every six months. So where am I at in this life phase? Um, what's my lifestyle right now? Do I need self-care? You know, am I paying down debt? Am I, what, what is it, right, in each of these things? What am I going for? So that's really important for me. That's part of it. Um, um, I, yeah, I feel like I'm, I, don't, I don't, don't really feel like I'm qualified to answer this question except to share my own experience, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I don't work with people in a private practice, and I don't work, you know, I only have a, like a handful to two handful of private clients at a time. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, for me, it was just um, answering all of those eight exercises, and then every six months, I would reevaluate where I was at. Do I feel I have matured? Do I feel like I have more experience? Um, what life phase am I in? Where am I at in my money map? Am I trying to go for basic needs? Am I trying to go for comfortable? And you know, I haven't, see, I don't raise my fees right now because it's, I've had the same fees for years for my mm-hmm. year-long program and my private fee. But back in the day, every year or so, you know, when I was a bookkeeper, I started out at 20 and ended up at 50 an hour. Or mm-hmm. I started doing financial therapy probably at 100 an hour, and now I'm at 250. Um, so I don't work with people long-term um, where I have to have that discussion or send out an email saying, hey, I'm now raising my fees and I want to give you three months' notice and I just want to let you know that, you know. So I don't have to do that. So I don't know. <laughs> except, you know except, I, I think one, one thing you said, Barry, that that I would imagine also bears on this is like with the money stories, like if you're assessing your money stories and you're like, oh, I have this money story of, like, I shouldn't get paid beyond mm-hmm. X amount for whatever it is I'm doing. Like, if you've been working with that, then obviously you want to reassess what your rates are, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you are if, – if part of your money story is that um, I shouldn't be charging so mm-hmm. much because I, I, I don't feel I'm worth it or – I don't know my value yet in this way, which at the, the first few years of any business, you know, the imposter complex is huge. We're all feeling uncomfortable. And I, I, well, I'll speak for myself, you know, is that I was like, have I matured enough here? Am I enough of 
just have, you know, am I someone who can teach this work? You know, I was yeah. 32. Yeah. I felt so young when I was starting. And so if you're having anything like that or I shouldn't make more money than my family or that's a biggie, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like I shouldn't make more money than my family of origin because, you know, they'll kick me out of the clan or mm. they'll think I'm, you know, arrogant and flashy and I, or I'm just so different and creative than them or on and on. So, yeah, you, you at the beginning, you really need to understand what beliefs, what money stories are playing themselves out. I mean, for me, it was money's not spiritual. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have to charge at all. That's what I used to think. Like, we should just live in a world where I do my thing and you do your thing and it all works out. But we live in a world of duality. Our form of exchange is money right now. It's a tool. And so we need to learn how to use it. But, oh, my God, do we have to understand how we feel about our own worth and value um, and then how that's playing out in a positive or negative way in what we charge. Well, see, that's a big reason why I do the body check-in because I just I want everyone to check in and say, okay, what does $100 feel like for you and your body? Do you want to throw up? Do you feel good? Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel mm-hmm. you can stand behind that? And so that's just one of the eight. But back in the day when I was raising my fees, I, I did, that was one of them, is how do I mm-hmm. feel about going from 100 to 125. And I used to raise my fees in small increments, and I would watch other people, like, do big leaps or double their their fee. And I was like, hot. well, I don't, you know, and so I had to do my own work around how I feel. I feel judgmental, you know, or why do I feel judgmental? And what's right for me and what's right for my own pacing? And just I chose to do it in more smaller increments, but probably more often that may have added up to that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Just wonderful advice tonight, and we are going to begin wrapping up this episode of Talking Shop. And So, Barry, could you tell our audience where they can find you? Yes, they can find me at barrytesler.com, and it's B-A-R-I-T-E-S-S-L-E-R. And for everybody who is listening, please do remember to get Barry's book. You're going to get a lot of information, like the stuff we talked about tonight. It's going to help you to work on your money stuff from the inside out and the outside in. I've worked with Barry. I've done her Art of Money program. I've read her book. It's phenomenal. This is stuff that if you're in a spiritual industry or actually any industry, any industry, this is really important work to do so that you can have a healthy relationship with money and a healthy relationship with your business. The book is called The Art of Money, and you can pre-order it on Amazon right now. It's coming out on June 14th. So, Barry, once again, thank you so much for being here tonight with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. So this is uh, this is our wrap-up, Bree. All right, so, Ms. Teresa, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? Besides the fact that everybody needs to get Barry's book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all need Barry's book. That that just goes without saying. You know, I, I really love sharing these money stories and because I think one thing here is when we are talking out loud about these stories, it really takes away a lot of the fear. We, I think it helps us to all recognize that we all have this stuff. We're all working on it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. So I really feel that big. the big takeaway I get is we're taking these subjects out loud, and this is stuff that we need to be talking about. 
But what about you? What was your biggest takeaway or the favorite nugget that you got out of this? Well, I love, you know, I love you, Barry, and I love your approach, and I'm always telling my people, you know, to go check out The Art of Money because I really do believe in it. And I I really liked the conversation that we had about, you know, really feeling into your business, and and I think that there's this idea that a business always has to be expanding and that the only way to measure that is financially. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, and I have a little one and and I just know from having a five year old that, you know, there are years where like you can really do that and there are even like months and quarters where that feels like a yes. And then there are times where that feels like a real no. And it doesn't mean that the business isn't expanding, it just means that it's not expanding in that particular way. And that that can actually be an asset, you know, and that that's something that you want to weave into your money awareness. I think that's huge. I agree. Absolutely. So towards the end of each episode, Bree and I also like to share just a few little fun tidbits, like, you know, the things we've been reading or the blogs we're totally jamming on, our favorite songs, TV shows, food, all that stuff. Just little fun stuff that we think you, our listeners, might enjoy discovering because, you know, sometimes we talk business, sometimes not because, well, we can. <laughs> Actually, you can talk <laughs> business 24-7. Sabri, what's something that you've discovered recently or something you're really loving lately? Okay, so it's it's like the springtime month, so I'm where I'm back at my favorite Mexican joint with the awesome like monthly margarita. It's not a weekly margarita; it's like maybe once or twice a month, but I'm so happy. Um, and there's like the pet chicken that walks around the tables, and it's just it's great. And the other thing that I've been totally into is the Vikings on History Channel. Like my husband and I marathoned it. Usually, you know, I'm not a huge TV person, but I really, really like it. So that, those are my current obsessions. What oh, about you, Teresa? <laughs> well, you guys know I am a TV person, which I know a lot of spiritual people think, oh, my God, this woman. But I have only three words to say. Game of Thrones is oh my on God. Sunday. <laughs> I know. So I don't know, Barry, if you're into that at all. Um, my husband is. I'm into Orphan Black. I love, oh, I love that, too. <laughs> Felix is my character. I love Felix mm. so much. I watch it just for Felix. But Game of Thrones is my big jam. We are planning out our Sunday, and it's so sad. We're planning our Game of Thrones meal, but... I just cannot wait. I've just this is all I think about. And my other thing that I'm really excited about is I finally switched over to a Filofax. After years of having an old Franklin Covey planner, I got a fancy Filofax and I've been decorating it and really getting geeked out with this, so that's my other thing that I've been really into. <laughs> oh, I love the things that set us off. Yes. <laughs> I want to share. I want to share. Yes, share. Share. (laughs) So, two things. One is that my favorite dance teacher, one of my favorite dance teachers of all time, was Angela Silvestre, who teaches Afro Brazilian Orisha inspired dance. um, Came in town last week, and I Mm. got to dance with her for three days. Wow! Um, And she's someone I've been dancing with for twenty years, and. Um, anyway, that, so that, that has been incredible. I've danced four days actually out of the last six and I'm on a food cleanse, food plan to help with hormones and metabolism and 
perimenopause that began, um, and the dance has just been great a great distractor, and just mm-hmm. it's just been so incredible to be in my body. Um, and this way, I'm I'm do, I'm doing the dance, and I'm doing this food plan too, just to prepare me for the book tour. So I I just feel is clear and ready, and have the energy for it. So that's those are those are two of my biggies right now. They're huge um, too. I mean, this is all fun stuff, but it's important stuff for us too because you know whether we're cleansing, whether we are hanging out with a margarita or watching Game of Thrones, we do need to do the things that make us feel good. It's so, so important as entrepreneurs that we have our, you know, our fun things and our healing things, all of that stuff. So, So, do we have any announcements? Teresa, is there anything going on that you want our people to know about in business world and tarot lady empire land? Uh, absolutely, I am going to be. I'm going to be leading another class, another academy at the World Domination Summit. So they will be putting up the official announcement soon. I think that's coming out in May. And so if you want to learn tarot, I think this is going to be a place you want to be in August. It's going to be in Portland. And I am going to be adding some new stuff this time. I'm going to be working on intuition with tarot. So we're going to be doing intuitive tarot readings. No books. So that's my big thing. What about you? I am, well, as I said, I'm working behind the scenes for Spinning Gold 2.0, which will launch on May 1st, which I'm super pumped about. Um, The two big things that are going on right now, I'm doing the Mercury Retrograde Survival Kit. For those Mm -hmm. of you who dread Mercury in retrograde, it's coming. And uh, and so I do a a survival kit. I really love Mercury in retrograde. So one of my missions is to make Mercury in retrograde a productive, awesome, time where we actually give ourselves time to be reflective and to think about some of the themes that always come up. So there is that. And then on the full moon in Scorpio, which is Friday, I will be doing a community ceremony um, that really focuses on deep healing and also focuses Mm. on discernment around investments and what we invest in, uh, because both of those are traits that I associate with Scorpio, hardcore. So, yeah, that's that's what's happening in Breland. And real quick, Barry, when does your book, book tour begin? So, let's see, I'm in, like, the full planning mode, you know, the bookstores <laughs> and the house parties, and I'm trying to have a few chocolate parties so they get a book and a chocolate bar. How about that? You know, I love that. So, I want to go to that party, darn it. <laughs> and, it, oh, my God. So I've dreamed of this for years and years and years, this book tour and getting on the road and all that. Um, so it kicks off. So the book is on the bookshelves June 14th. June 30th is my big kickoff at the Boulder Bookstore in Boulder. Then a few days later I head to San Francisco. I'm there for a week, and then I head to – um, Seattle, and then I head to Bainbridge Island, and then I head to Vancouver, and then I head to Portland, and on and on. So I am, oh my God, I'm so excited. So that's oh, going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. All so right, awesome. folks, this is all all good stuff. And so before we sign off, just a really happy reminder. You know, if you love Barry Tesler, which I know you will, go to barrytesler.com. 
and get her book. And also, if you love Talking Shop, if you enjoy listening to us every month, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free. You can do that on iTunes. And on iTunes, what you want to look for is Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. you got to put the whole thing in. But you can also visit the Talking Shop archives. I have them on the tarolady.com under the tab called Free Resources. You just hop on down there, look for Talking Shop, and you'll find all that jazz there. And Bree, where is it on your site? Go to briannasaucy.com and mouse over the Work With Me section on the nav bar, and you will see Talking Shop appear right there on the screen. You can click on it, and it will take you to the current show information and a link to the archive page. All right, and so that's a wrap for this episode. Bree, what's happening next month? You guys, we are going to have another great show next month, of course. We are super excited to bring you the geniuses behind the fabulous fountain to row. This this deck was like on everybody's lips, you know, when it came out, and it still is. And they are going to talk to us about what you need to know to create and fund your own tarot deck and what you need to know about self-publishing. So for all of you folks who have wanted to do a tarot deck, an oracle deck, this will be the show for you. And that's going to be on Wednesday, May 25th at 8 p.m. So until then, guys, you can find me, Teresa Reed, at thetarolady.com. Bree, where can they find you? You can find me at briannasaucy.com. And so once again, thank you, Barry and Bree and everyone for listening. Keep taking action to build your mystical business. And stay on that grind. Make it a great month. We know you will. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye, Bye. everyone.